Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. We hear from a Toronto lawyer who was arrested at an election rally in Hamilton for PC leader Doug Ford. Liberal leader Stephen Del Duca joins us to talk about his campaign. Urban sprawl remains a hot topic on the campaign trail. Why haven't there been many fireworks in this election? The Hamilton Bulldogs rolling into the OHL championship and helping parents get a break while creating new jobs for childcare workers. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. I, hold on, let her call. Can you let her leave? Can she leave? No, she had her opportunity. This is the Hamilton police arresting me for political dissent. That was last week. A Toronto lawyer arrested for trespassing outside a PC rally at the Hamilton airport that involved PC leader Doug Ford. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. Subscribe to the GMH podcast in your favorite podcast catcher so you never miss an episode. A Toronto lawyer joins us now on GMH. Karima Saad is her name and she joins us now. Karima, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thank you for having me. Bring us back to last Thursday evening at the Hamilton airport. What happened? Well, I attended the Doug Ford rally um, looking to go in and, and document the event, which is something that I've done for other political parties, um, as well as for rallies generally over the past two years. I had an RSVP in hand, but I was unable to make it into the building. Uh, basically, as soon as I approached um Someone headed straight to me and told me I wasn't welcome and I had to leave. So was that someone associated with the PC party? Interestingly, they refused to identify themselves or their role. They indicated that they were with the party, but I couldn't get a clear answer as to whether they were a security or a volunteer or just a party member who's seen my Twitter page and doesn't like me. Um, so I wasn't really confident that they had the authority to trespass me. So I waited for police to arrive. So police arrived. Did someone call police? Were they already there? How did that kind of transpire? Police were in the vicinity. Um, it did take probably about 15 to 20 minutes for them to arrive into the actual cargo jet facility parking lot, which is where we were waiting outside the the building. Um, And when they did get there, it took all of two minutes to decide to arrest me. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Toronto lawyer Kareem Assad, who was arrested for trespassing outside a PC rally involving uh, leader Doug Ford at the Hamilton Airport last Thursday evening. In the video, we, we played a clip of it off the top, we see you uh, handcuffed and taken to a police car. What happened after that? I was uh, released pretty shortly thereafter. Um, so it was kind of a, a catch and release. I was driven off the, the property um, and then given a ticket and let go. Um, which makes me question why I was putting cuffs in the first place. I wasn't posing any sort of a, a physical threat. I asked a question, and the the way by which I was arrested, I think, deviates from the standard protocol I would expect for a trespass ticket. So how do you follow up with this? What are your next steps? Well, I am going to be contesting the ticket itself. Um, So I'll I'll look to set that matter down for trial. Um, I do also think that there were a few charter breaches. um, And and this is, you know, 
I, I'm I'm reviewing my options here. Mm-hmm. Kind of seems severe that you get handcuffed for trespassing as opposed to just giving a ticket. Absolutely, um, and, and I, I, you know, that that's what concerns me. Um, the use of police state violence, um, even though on on the the spectrum of police violence, um, I'm I'm very mindful that this was a relatively minor encounter, but it it was still humiliating and. The only discernible reason I could gather is that the PC party doesn't like what I have to say. Uh, and you're adamant that you were not there to protest against Ford. Ab- absolutely not. Um, I was there with my RSVP looking to attend the event. Um, I had no intention of participating in a demonstration, although I do sometimes document signs and, and people who who protest. I was at the convoy slash occupation in Ottawa for the duration of it. Um, but in, in this case, I was here on my own and, and the press release issued by Hamilton police is so incredibly inaccurate um, that, you know, it should cast doubt, I think, on their ability to provide real information to the public, which is concerning. Now, with any political rally, Doug Ford or otherwise, there are some protesters at these events, and there were there, uh, some of them uh, on Thursday. Were any of them arrested or ticketed at all? Not to my knowledge. Um, I did not return after I was trespassed. Um, So I I, I am looking at secondhand accounts, right, of what transpired after I left. Um, but to my knowledge, nobody was arrested. Um, I'm, I'm aware that there was an incident at the London rally where someone stormed the stage to make a statement. Uh, and I believe they also were not arrested. Um, so it, 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 I did feel targeted. I was just going to ask you that, whether you felt targeted or not, but you just answered the question, and that is extremely unfortunate. We'll have to uh, leave it there as we're plumb out of time. Karim Asad, thank you for joining us this morning, and uh, good luck with this issue going forward. Thank you very much. That is Toronto lawyer Karim Asad, who was, uh, again, arrested for trespassing, put in handcuffs, put in a police cruiser, and then given a ticket for, I think it was like 65 bucks after um, trying to get into the rally involving Doug Ford at the Hamilton Airport. Pretty... I don't know if scary is probably overselling it. Unfortunate, that is for sure. And that's probably underselling it. Uh, I wouldn't be happy either if I were her. Just wanted to get into the rally, take some pictures. Maybe hoot and holler. I mean, that's what that's what happens at these events. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The liberal leader for this province joins us now on 900 CHML. Good morning, Mr. Del Duca. How are you today? I'm really good, Rick. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, thanks for coming back on. I know it's been a busy campaign for you and and all the Liberal candidates and really all the candidates from uh, one side of the province to the other. Uh, Let's start with affordability. One of the big topics in this campaign, maybe the biggest, your party is offering, as we heard in the clip, to remove Ontario's portion of the HST from prepared food under 20 bucks. Is that moving the needle? Are you getting positive response from the people that you're talking to? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a really important part of... uh the 19-point plan that we put out on the affordability issue. I, I'm the guy who goes grocery shopping every Saturday morning for my family. So like most of your audience, I've seen the cost of food going in the wrong direction the last couple of years in particular. That's one measure taken off the HST, so 8% off everything that's prepared food under $20. We have $1 transit fares, buck a ride province-wide, more support for seniors, cheaper before and after school care. Affordability is the issue that I hear about more than anything else province-wide. And 
our plan will tackle it starting on day one. Regarding affordability, how can we afford all these, and your party's not alone, but how can we afford all these campaign promises? Well, our, our party is alone in having a fully costed plan that actually helps the people of Ontario. It's laid out. You can find it on ontarioliberal.ca. We expect that the province's budget with our plan will be back at balance in 26-27, uh, the fiscal year 26-27. But we can do that investing in education and health care and making life more affordable. Uh, the Ontario NDP have a plan that's changed six or seven times in four weeks and wasn't fully costed to begin with and kind of has some wonky numbers in it. The Conservatives have a budget, but they don't have any plan in this campaign that will make your life better. Only Ontario Liberals have the plan that will actually make things easier and more affordable, and it's fully costed. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Stephen Del Duca, leader of the Ontario Liberal Party. And our coverage on Thursday in the election campaign begins at 6 p.m. Wall-to-wall coverage into the wee hours of the morning, if it takes that long. I, I know you want to win Thursday's election. Heck, all the party leaders want to do so. <laughs> if If you don't, is there a magic number of seats you need to win to convince the party faithful that you're the guy to lead the Liberals into the next election, which I guess would be in 2026? Well, look, I, I'm exclusively focused on working as hard as I can right now, and right up until the last votes are counted on on Thursday evening, candidates that we have running, including Jason Farr and Hamilton East Stony Creek, working as hard as we possibly can to earn the trust of the people of this province so we can start governing in a forward-looking and fair way right away, and that's exclusively what my focus is right now, Rick. Numerous PC candidates have not participated in public debates. Uh, strategic on their part or a failure on the part of the PCs? Oh, I think I think that they, look, I think at the end of the day, they're afraid, Doug Ford's afraid to be out there in the public eye. They're stuck inside a bubble because they don't want to admit what their real plan is, their plan to privatize, and their plan to reward their richest friends instead of supporting public education and public health care. So they're in a bubble, and I'm, I am absolutely convinced that come Thursday, the people of Ontario will burst Doug Ford's bubble and will get progress moving the province forward with a strong, progressive Liberal government at Queen's Park. Ontario Liberal Leader Stephen Del Duca is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML Election Day this Thursday. Many people have suggested uh, this campaign, we just did a segment on it uh, an hour ago, this campaign has lacked excitement. It's been boring, not a lot of fireworks. How would you describe it? been exciting for me having had the chance to be for example in hamilton on more than one occasion i delighted to see all of our candidates including jason park who i know is working so hard on hamilton east stony creek as our our other candidates i'm having a lot of fun and mostly i'm having fun because people see a clear sense of momentum around the new ontario liberal team as the best option really the only option to stop doug ford and that's what we're focused on right now making sure people understand how clear the choice is here in these uh, final days of the election campaign but I'm having fun. My young daughters are having fun. Seeing the people of Ontario is always fun for me. Got about a minute. One of the major topics in our, really around the world, is climate change. We're in a climate emergency. What's your party uh, planning to do to tackle the environmental issues we face today? Well, our plan will get Ontario to what we call net zero by 2050, cut emissions in half by 2030. We're going to plant 800 million trees over the next eight years, five new provincial parks. Uh, incentives for electric vehicles. We're going to make the emissions performance standard a bit tougher on the biggest polluters. We're going to invest in a green jobs accelerator fund, and we're going to have $100,000, $3,000 grants for households that want to retrofit and make their buildings more climate resilient. That's just a snapshot of what we have in plan in our plan break, but we're going to get to net zero by 2050, and that's, that's guaranteed. Mr. Del Duca, appreciate your time today. Good luck on Thursday. 
My pleasure. Thanks so much, Rick. Take care. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. This has a much bigger impact in our community and really in many communities across the province, and that is urban sprawl, expanding a community's urban landscape or urban boundary, building homes outside of the existing city limits. And that usually, nine times out of ten, means we're cutting up into farmland. It's been a hot topic here in Hamilton and a hot topic across the province of Ontario and in this election campaign. And joining us now to talk about it is Benjamin Duick. He is a third-generation Hamilton farmer and joins us now. Benjamin, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Um, You have 70 acres of farmland in and around Hamilton. What do you grow? Um, Well, we own 50, but we operate 70. And uh, right now we're growing uh, corn, wheat, and we just planted our soybeans. Nice. So how is farming going in Hamilton these days? Well, so far it's going okay. I mean, like the stock markets and the inflation is is affecting it, but it's going all right right now. Okay, what? Well, it won't be for long with this uh, urban sprawl on the horizon. I was going to say that that's good to hear, but yes, there are some gloomy clouds on the horizon, as you intimated. Would an expansion of Hamilton's urban boundary impact your farm greatly? Would it have a minimal impact? What would the impact be? It would be much less out here because we're further away from the urban boundary to the farming communities closer to the boundary, it would be devastating. And how would it work? Would the city or the province just say, all right, we're taking some of your land? Well, basically they would rezone it from agricultural to residential or industrial, and then the farmers couldn't be, wouldn't be able to farm on it anymore. So they would essentially have no choice but to sell it to a developer, and that would be the end of it. Yeah. Benjamin Doak is our guest here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, a third-generation Hamilton farmer who would uh, definitely be impacted by uh, urban sprawl if it does happen. Now, back in November, we know that Hamilton City Council uh, voted against expansion. Instead, they encouraged high-density development within our current city limits, so build up as opposed to build out. Even so, do you get the sense that the province is just going to railroad the city and say, hey, we're doing it? Yeah, I, I really do think they will. They just kind of strong arm it in so they can favor the developers. So they get big money and they get paid taxes. And it just increases the economic value of the city, but it also will increase the price of food and pressure on the farmers that do survive to produce for a population that's expanding and growing. You meant- so our ability to provide is decreasing. You mentioned uh, ministerial zoning orders. They, they basically allow the province to rezone land without getting the approval uh, from the affected municipality. Is that a uh, a daily topic that you're talking about with family and with other farmers? It's, it's not a daily topic. Like A lot of the farmers don't really seem to think it will affect them, but ultimately it, it will in the long run when the demand for local food gets increased and Doug, our ability to provide has dropped. So yeah. yes, it will eventually be a to- hot topic. Doug Ford's uh, PC party pitching the construction of two major highways in the province as well, including the Bradford Bypass, which is not near our area. It's north of Toronto, but it is going to cut through the Holland Marsh. Are you worried that the current government isn't prioritizing farmland? Um, yes, they literally are not prioritizing farmland. There has been almost no mention of farmland whatsoever in almost any any political campaign. There's been very little mention of it. We know that food prices at grocery stores have been going up the last little while, uh, nearly 10% in April compared to April of 2021. And it's been the highest increase since, um, I think, 1981. If we lose more farmland, what does that do to food prices? Well, it will def- the food prices will definitely increase. 
And like farmers like what I do and what my neighbors do is we farm either for cattle or for charities. I know what my, that's what my neighbor does. He ships his food overseas and our food isn't, isn't set for humans. It's going to go for cattle feed, but it, it's really going to have an effect on that as well. So we will be looking to possibly produce for uh, local markets. So what do you say to those who say, listen, that we're, Hamilton's going to have, uh, you know, tens of thousands more people come uh, into its uh, borders over the next number of years. We have to build some homes and highways in and around the city. What do you say to those people? Those, those people say anyone moving into Hamilton, they don't have to move into Hamilton. We can always distribute them elsewhere to other cities. But it, it's they, they better be ready to pay much higher prices for local food fresh produce, which probably won't be very fresh. Yeah, we're certainly seeing that right now with uh, supply chain crisis and, and all that kind of stuff. Benjamin, really appreciate the time. Good luck with the crop this year. And, uh, well, hopefully you and a bunch of other farmers in and around the city can keep uh, the land that they have. Yeah, thank you. You too. That's Benjamin Doak. He's a third-generation Hamilton farmer, uh, owns 50 acres, operates another 20 in and around the city. And as you can tell, greatly concerned about uh, urban sprawl and expanding the urban boundary. And he's 100% right on food prices. You know, the more and more we have to ship in, the higher those prices are going to be because we're paying, well, we're paying more for gasoline. Those, those crops, that produce coming in via transport truck, the less local food that we're producing obviously is going to impact on that price. I get building more homes. We need more homes. We, we absolutely do. More homes means home prices aren't going through the roof. And uh, that also means a lot more affordable homes. Get those first-time buyers, those uh, individuals who are less fortunate than others into those affordable housing units. But right now, you know, I'm, I'm in the build-up campaign as opposed to the build-out campaign. Got to protect our farms. We have lots of room in this city to build up. And yes, some neighborhoods, they'll be seeing those multi-residential uh, buildings Fourplexes, triplexes, you know, low-rise condos. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, it's going to have an impact on our traffic, but it's going to be much more affordable in the long run for many more people. This is for the greater good. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, this election campaign has been rather blah. I mean, really, I haven't been a lot of fireworks. Even the televised debate, which we carried here on 900 CHML, was ho-hum. Yeah, there was a couple of barbs here and there, but at the end of the day, not very exciting. And that has apparently worked well so far, at least according to the opinion polls for PC leader Doug Ford, who's trying to win re-election on Thursday. By the way, CHML will be your station to tune into on election night, starting at 6 p.m., wall-to-wall coverage from all our local ridings and ridings across the province. Stay tuned at the CHML at 6 on Thursday. Randall Denley, a columnist for the Ottawa Citizen and National Post and an author of several books, has penned a really good article in the Post. And the title is Poor Campaigns Matter as Ontario's Liberals and NDP Are Discovering Too Late. Randall joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Mr. Denley, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How would you describe this election campaign? What words come to mind? Uh, boring would be the first one that would come <laughs> to mind, which is ideal if you're the PCs, because two-part challenge for the two opposition parties. You know, First, you've got to show that there's something really important 
that the PC government hasn't been doing. And then you've got to get people to think that oh, your party's got the solution to that important problem. But if you can't get people's attention, then that just isn't going to happen. And I think people are left with the, is that the four government? Yeah, they're not too bad. I don't see anything from the other guys, which is about where we're at. So I think that both Del Duca and Horvath, the, the two other significant leaders, have they failed in equal measure in terms of really capturing the public's attention on any one or two things and ensuring that they could do more. Going into this campaign, we knew there wasn't that one galvanizing issue. There wasn't the, you know, the hydro outrage that we saw four years ago. So were Del Duca and Horvath behind the eight ball right off the skip? Oh, absolutely. I think you know, there are weaknesses for the PCs, but Del Duca in particular was in a bad position. <coughs> and when you only hold seven seats to start with, you don't have a lot of money to spend. You're in a tough spot. You know, I think they've, in some ways, done well to compete with the NDP, but that doesn't help them get any further than, at most, second place. So really, this has been an election, I think, about who the opposition would be more than about who the government would be. Randall Denley is our guest, columnist for the Ottawa Citizen and the National Post, the author of uh, several books, including Payback, Spiked, and One Dead Sister. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Can we surmise that Horvath and Del Duca are incapable of moving the needle? I mean, they've had plenty of opportunities to capitalize, at least on the affordability issue, which is a big one, and they haven't really done a good job of doing so. I think I think we can say that for sure about Andrea Horvath. It's her fourth election. She's not going to win this one. Obviously, she didn't win the previous three. I mean, at some point, her party has to say, we need to go in a new direction. And I think that, that starts after June the 2nd. Does Del Duca get a second chance? I think a lot of that depends on do the Liberals finish second, in which case he probably does. Does he win his own seat? He probably does. If those two things don't happen, then I think the Liberals should be looking for new leadership. Not that they have a big pool to choose from, but Del Duca's uh, claim to fame, if he has one, is that he's a real policy wall. Details guy. Loves it. Which isn't a horrible thing, but Elections are about simplifying, not complicating. You know, as you mentioned, affordability, a big idea. People are concerned. The Liberals have a plan. It's got 19 points. Can you imagine being a candidate going door to door and somebody says, tell me about your affordability plan. It's got 19 points. Here they are. <laughs> You'd have to read off a list. But the Ford campaign plan is pretty simple. They've got, you know, the five points, which is sort of considered to be the maximum number of things you can talk about so they're focused they're focused on the things that they think are important neither of the other parties have done that they've got plans for everything ford is and also the biggest a relatively straightforward issue like affordability the plan is wildly complex but one of the biggest things they've got is well how about those prepared meals yeah we're going to take the provincial tax off them under twenty dollars like, okay is that a reason for me to go out and vote for you is that even something snow tires we got a deal for you on snow tires. There's another exciting thing for the candidates to talk about as they knock on doors in May. What about <laughs> snow tires? Yeah, as it reaches 30 degrees today. We've got about a minute here. Um, what does it say that Ford has the biggest personality of the main party leaders? Is that an impact at all? Well, I think it is. And his big advantage in that regard is that, you know, throughout the pandemic, as tough as that was to be the premier, and he displeased people on 
the left or the right, depending on the day of the week. But people got to see him on a regular basis, so they feel that they have some idea of who he is. He's a regular guy, certainly not perfect, but they know what they're getting. Horvath, I mean, she should have the same advantage, but she's just never connected in the same way. Duca, they just don't know him at all. He's a guy who, you know, tells people he's really smart and he can fix every problem, but, well, who is he, though? And I think the Liberals haven't been able to get that across, partly because they lack money and partly because he's not a a very exciting guy to sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that'll certainly be an issue on voting day on Thursday. Randall, appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for joining yeah, us. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. That's Randall Denley, columnist for the Ottawa Citizen and the National Post and the author of several books, including Payback, Spiked, and One Dead Sister. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Not many teams, if any, have knocked down the Hamilton Bulldogs this season. They have steamrolled their way in the Ontario Hockey League's championship final. And the question is, can anyone stop the Bulldogs? Scott Radley is our guest. He's the host of the Scott Radley Show weeknights here on 900 CHML, 6 until 8, and a columnist with the Hamilton Spectator. Scott, good morning. How are you? I'm great, Rick. How are you doing? Not too bad. Um, the, Bulldog, the Bulldogs are doing even better than I am, that is for sure. 12-0 and in the playoffs, 51-4 in 2022, perfect at home this calendar year, 22 straight wins dating back to the regular season. How the heck have they done this? Yeah, it's pretty impressive when you realize that their last loss of any kind, and it was in overtime, so it was, they even got a point, was in March the 15th. So the Ides of March was the last time they lost. <laughs> Something sort of a, you know, appropriate about that. But, no, it's, it's, this is a team that just right now is, um, you know, you don't want to say they can't lose because, of course, they can lose. But, you know, the two games ago, in the third game of their series against North Bay that they just finished, they had what was for them not a very good game. And they still ended up winning. And North Bay is a good team. North Bay finished third overall in the league this year. And so they just, right now, everything is working. Their goaltending is great. They're scoring a ton of goals. Their defense is the best that we've seen in the OHL this year. Um, it's just, you know, when, when when everything is working, everything is working. Flint and Windsor are playing Game 6 of the West Final tomorrow night. Do you envision either of those teams, whoever comes out of the West, giving the Bulldogs a run for their money? Well, see here, Rick, this is where this, is where this story gets interesting because COVID affected the scheduling this year. When they planned out the OHL schedule for this season, they were doing it to try and reduce travel and cut back on a bunch of things for COVID. So the Eastern teams, which Hamilton is in, have not seen the Western teams, and the Western teams have not seen the Eastern teams. So we don't really have any comparables. The West could be phenomenal, and just they're playing against themselves, and so we don't know. Or the East could be phenomenal, and the West could be way worse. So until we get that first game, whoever they're playing, Windsor or Flint, we really, this will be the one time that we really don't know what to expect. And that, that makes it kind of intriguing because, again, I, I think that when, you, when the Bulldogs are playing as they are, like, I, you know, I'm writing stories off the games. This is the easiest team in the world to write about on deadline because <laughs> you don't have to usually worry about a loss because they're usually up three or four goals by the start of the third period. We'll see. We'll, I, I, truly, I, nobody 
has any idea what's going to happen when they cross over and play in the final. Once that first game gets underway, we'll see if this is real or we'll see if this is not. But it's, uh, boy, 50, I think it's 52-4 and four now since the start of the year. I don't think there's been another Hamilton team in any sport anywhere that's ever done that. No, that's pretty crazy. We're talking Bulldogs hockey here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML with Scott Radley, host of the Scott Radley Show, weeknights 6 till 8 here on 900 CHML, and a columnist with the Hamilton Spectator. The mentality of this team has to be Memorial Cup or bust. This team is destined to go to that tournament. Well, again, I, 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 I'm not going to say destined yet uh, for the reasons that I just laid out, but uh, if if things proceed as they have been, yeah, I think that they're going to go to the Memorial Cup with a lot of expectations. Now, there are some pretty good teams out west. Um, Winnipeg apparently is really good. Um, you know, there are others. But again, you get right back to the same thing I just said. You don't the the the, the intrigue or one of the intrigues of the Memorial Cup is that you don't you've never played against these teams. So you really have no way of knowing whether the OHL is a really strong league this year and the Bulldogs are just running over everyone, or whether maybe the Western League is way better and so you know Winnipeg doesn't have as good a record, but the competition is way harder. You just there's no way of knowing. But Rick, I go back to my point: if you've been 52 and four and you haven't lost a game since the middle of March, you would surely go into the Memorial Cup with high expectations, and as the overwhelming favorites, at least until the puck is dropped and we see what happens. Yeah. Should be a lot of fun uh, from here on in. Scott, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. No problem, Rick. Anytime. That is Scott Radley, host of the Scott Radley Show, weeknights 6 until 8 here on 900 CHML and columnist with the Hamilton Spectator. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. There are, I think, few... A few win-win situations in our life. This certainly is in the win-win category because it's a a company that helps parents and childcare workers at the same time. It's being called the Uber of babysitting, and it's a new female-led startup that's helping parents get a break and creating some new jobs for childcare workers. Cressida Raffin is the CEO and founder of Birdie Break, which is the company I'm talking about, and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Cressida. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm great. How are you? I love it being called a win-win. We definitely see it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. And we really appreciate appreciate you waking up a little earlier than scheduled this morning. We understand you're in Edmonton, so thank you for doing so. Oh, it's a pleasure. What is Birdie Break? Tell us about it. Mm-hmm. So Birdie Break basically offers real-time pre-screened childcare professionals to parents when they need it in the convenience of an app. Okay. So if a parent is in a pinch, they need yes. someone to look after little Johnny or little Susie, they can yes. go on the Birdie Break app and within minutes schedule someone to look after their child. Essentially, yep. I mean, we say anywhere from two hours in advance to two months in advance. So let's say that 
uh, parent doesn't have somebody to watch Johnny and Susie for Jan Arden tonight, <laughs> they can download <laughs> the app and then make a request. And what happens is that our pre-screened available providers would then submit their profiles and the parent sort of finds the one that's best for them. They book them, pay them. Everything is done on the app. There's no commitment until they've actually found a really incredible sitter that fits their family. And the payment is done at the end of the booking. Did you discover that there was a big need for this kind of application? <clears throat> Definitely. Yes. My business partner and I started to realize that there was just nothing filling this sort of gap for people. Um, like I'm a mom myself. I have a very busy four-year-old and five-year-old. And um, I know how hard it is to find great childcare. Um, but I also know like how important it is, you know, like the freedom that comes from knowing without a doubt, you're going to be able to find somebody incredible to watch your children. So yeah, there was nothing that filled that need. So we set out to create it. And how's it been going so far? really great. Yeah, really wonderful. So we're um, expanding across Canada. And, you know, our parents are just um, quite happy with us. You know, we've we've executed over 15,000 successful babysitting hours. And um, as you mentioned at the beginning, like we're able to really help out um, childcare professionals as well, with an avenue towards flexible income. So it's been a really great experience. Yeah, this would be, I would assume, a, a really great opportunity for summer students as well. A hundred percent, definitely. So we do have some people, some childcare professionals that are looking for more full-time steady work because some parents use us for a recurring basis, but it's also like evenings and weekends. And so for students that are looking for, you know, would rather do something like this than say, um, work in the service industry or whatever the case may be, if this is their passion, yeah, they're able to do it and supplement their income. So it's it's great, yeah. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Cressida Raffin, is the CEO and founder of Birdie Break. You can find it in your favorite app store. Um, are, are nannies also part of the process? Um, to a certain extent, yep. So we do allow parents to book recurring. Um, so like if somebody wanted somebody every week, a um, few times a week, um, we are able to fill that need for sure. Um, we're not necessarily a nanny agency, but we're definitely able to meet parents where they need us when it comes to sort of that recurring sitter uh, availability. Certainly with any child care opportunity comes, uh, you know, the usual background checks, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Is that part of the mm -hmm. process? A hundred percent. It's paramount to what we consider our value is for parents. So we've actually partnered with another great Canadian company, Certain. They're based out of Victoria and they run a bunch of background checks for us, including enhanced criminal background checks. Um, and then a member of our recruitment team interviews all of our sitters and um, they have to have also valid CPR choking training. Over the last few months, a number of uh, provinces signed $10 a day childcare deals with the federal government. Has that impacted your business at all? It's incredible, honestly. Um, I feel like anything that is going to support parents and encourage people to, you know, live a more well-rounded life and be able to um, work, you know, if they want to or have extra money to be able to spend it however they want discretionary, I think it's an incredible thing. And um, yeah, it's definitely impacting our business for the, for the better. What is the cost of a babysitter these days? Yeah, it ranges. So our babysitters are independent contractors. They set their own rate and then we have our birdie fee placed on top of it. So the hourly rate of what the parent sees is all that they pay. They range anywhere for our service from about $20 to $25 an hour. So it is a little bit more of a premium service, but you know you're getting a five-star sitter every time. What makes a good sitter? Who? How do you become a five-star sitter? 
Yeah. So we definitely look for certain personality traits. First of all, they have to, of course, love children. Um, They have to have experience with it. Um, But we also say, you know, sometimes people don't realize they have childcare experience, but we have a lot of, um, you know, lifeguards or coaches or older siblings that basically raised their three younger siblings. Um, All of that we sort of consider as, you know, having that great experience. Um, But they have to have a really, you know, great personality and also want to value, add value to the parents that they get involved with. We're not just there to make sure that your children stay alive. We're there to make sure that they have a really great time as well. You mentioned that you were expanding across Canada. How big are you willing to grow? As big as demand needs us. <laughs> so we're in Alberta right now. We're in um, Toronto, Ottawa, Hamilton. Um, and then we'll continue out west um, later on this summer and hopefully across Canada by next year. It's a neat idea. Uh, congratulations on everything that you've achieved thus far and good luck in the future. And thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Rick. Thanks for having me and have a great day. You too. That's Cressida Raffin, CEO and founder of Birdie Break. You can find it in your favorite app store. Pretty cool idea, and it's certainly making waves across the country. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.